In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the Palmetto Swamps, to the Piney Woods, to the Oak Flats, you're listening to the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. Hey guys, on this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast, it's the greatest day of the year. October 1st, we couldn't have planned it out any better. This is our 10th episode that just so happens to be released on opening day. So all of y'all listening in the tree stand, we appreciate it and good luck. For all of y'all sitting at a desk or at the office, I hope you get out to the woods sooner rather than later. But this week's episode, we're coming to you talking about Old Cypress Outdoors. You've probably heard us talking about them on other podcasts and on social media, on the website. But they are a local stand manufacturer. They have a mobile lock-on system that is lightweight and highly adjustable. So we're going to go over the benefits of a lock-on system over climbing stands for all of y'all that might want to convert. But before we get started, we need to give a huge thanks to our sponsors of the podcast. We just picked up Old Cypress Outdoors, so welcome aboard and thank you for sponsoring the podcast for October. And also, as usual, a huge shout out to Steve German's Taxidermy and Cousin's Smokehouse. We couldn't put this on without you. So y'all be sure to check them out online and pick up a bag of Cousin Smokehouse jerky for your hunting bag this season. Let's get started. All right, we're going to get started here. We're here with Old Cypress Outdoors. We're in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and we're going to be talking everything you need to know about mobile lock-on systems. They are from Bayou Vista, Louisiana, and they manufacture lock-on tree stands and climbing sticks, which is we all know has become extremely popular in the deer hunting world in the past few years. So we've got Seth Bill out here, Corey Toops, and we've also got Lock Wheeler as well. And we're talking about lock-on stands. So guys, thank you for being on the show with us. First of all, let's, I mean, let's cut right to it. Tell us about Old Cypress Outdoors. Tell us about your company. Well, I think uh, first thing we'll do is just tell you how we got started. We're some, we're some normal guys that uh, picked up a bow and arrow, I guess, in about 2009. 
Uh, we started bow hunting down on the Chafalaya Delta. Uh, so when I say we, we build uh, stands uh, for hunters, by hunters, we've been there and done just about all walks of it. We fought the public land, and uh, eventually, after four or five years of that, we found our way in, in southern Illinois, which I think a, a lot of us do, and started hunting lock-on tree stands because mm-hmm. uh, obviously in the marsh, you, you're probably not going to hunt a, a lock-on too much. We were doing uh, tripods, but we went up to southern Illinois and got involved in a lock-on uh, deer stand world and uh after i guess what four or five seasons of that we decided that the stands we were using just wasn't uh wasn't what we wanted them to do they didn't do exactly what we wanted them to do we, we struggled with some things so we set out and, and looked on the market to find something that did do what we wanted to do and uh, we could not find it so shooting around at the camp you got to talking and and decided we were going to design our own and uh we did we threw together a few you know, quick stands and tried them, and, and, and it seemed to be a good idea. Next thing I know, uh, we Old Cypress Outdoors was, was born. That's awesome. So y'all kind of launched your product and your company at the Louisiana Sportsman Show right back in March, would, that's you, correct. would you say? Yeah. yeah. That's where I met you for the first time. We were in the same tent with a booth, um, and uh, I was intrigued, very intrigued by the adjustability of your tree stands. Um, so who, whose idea was it to kind of make a highly adjustable stand like that? Well, what we wanted to do was, like Corey was saying, as we hunted uh, up north, south Louisiana, different places, packing your sticks on your stand in and out, having adjustability on the stand, it just other products wasn't doing it for us. Mm-hmm. We wanted to hunt, you know, a heavy deer trail and – they had a tree, plenty big enough, but it was leaning. And anybody knows that's an avid deer hunter. You don't want to sit in a tree for five, six hours leaning sideways. Mm-hmm. So you start looking at other products on the market, and it's it's just really difficult to find something that has all the adjustability. So they didn't have the platform adjustability. They didn't have the seat adjustability and then the side-to-side adjustability. Mm-hmm. So what we wanted to do was we took it one step at a time. So we, we came up with a general idea of how we wanted our stand to look, okay? And then, like I said, we took it one step at a time. Let's make it adjustable with the platform. Came out with an idea, tried five, six different things, stuck with one, worked. Move on to the next one. How can we make our seat adjustable? Made it, tried a few different things, stuck with something, it worked. Same thing with the back of the stand. Your traditional deer stand has a V cut in the back of it. Mm -hmm. So the V posed a big problem with the tree stand because what happens with a tree stand is the V on the back of a deer stand marries the angle of the tree, no matter what you do. So by eliminating the V, what we did is we came out with a set of arms, you know, that grabbed the tree. So the back of the deer stand is pretty, pretty jagged and you take the deer stand, you offset it from the side, the arms wrap around the tree, you add you a second ratchet strap, and it hugs that tree basically, mm-hmm. you know. So as long as the back of that deer stand is going to touch the tree, you'll be good to go. And and I know Seth can vouch for this. Uh, many a times packing in my stand, I'm, I was always uh, cussing up a storm when my sticks would come loose from the from the, the stand and, and rattling, and I'd have to take a break and, and restrap all those sticks to uh, to my stand. So... I know my, my two cents in was definitely we, we were going to have a system that the sticks, 
uh, strapped onto the back of the stand securely, mm-hmm. uh, not not just with a strap and, and, and a lot of metal-to-metal contact. And I, I know you did a lot of testing, and, and like you said, you went through piece by piece to get it right, but how many, uh, let's, let's call it finished products, did you go through before you got the final finished product? Probably uh, half a dozen or so. At one point, the stand had a had a chains mm-hmm. uh, versus a cable. Uh, we quickly found out from a lot of uh, feedback from other guys that we, you know, had brought over and let them look at them that the chains just weren't going to work. Uh, we went to the cable. Uh, I guess it was more for mostly for the noise. Uh, but we bounced around with a few different uh, things, you know, the, the seat and, and whatnot. Uh, we'd bring in other guys that, that hunted alongside of us for a lot of years and, and just get them to just critique it. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you all know this, you can't please everyone with one deer stand. But uh, I, I guess after about three months of, uh, of trial and error, we, we finally came up with something that we felt was, uh, was the best mm-hmm. we could do, uh, keeping the weight adjustability every, everything in mind um we finally settled in on something and, and then we put them into production so let's talk a little bit about the the specifications of your stand so um obviously we're uh on audio right now so people can't see it we'll we'll have links and we'll have some pictures up on the uh the website and on um, social media once we launch this podcast but uh, describe to people some of the features of your stand some of the, you talk about adjustability what do you mean by that adjustable up down how does that function how does that work so the base the base system has uh has five different selections on on each side and the cable uh it's a free flowing cable through the through the base of the stand so you could have your left side you know maxed out to where to, the, to where it's the extended the longest and your right side could be on a different selection mm-hmm. and your stand's still going to be level so what we've been saying is you have 25 different sections of adjustability on your mm-hmm. base. Now, the seat, the seat has a, a quick turn uh, selection, and it only goes from level and decreases. It, it declines. I'm sorry. It declines down three selections, which we, we found that there's no reason for this, the, the seat to incline because if the tree's leaning, you're going to hunt on the opposite side of the tree to where the, the seat needs to be declined. So the seat mm-hmm. offers you three different levels of, you know, to decline down and match uh, fairly closely to the base level adjustment. And then, of course, what Seth talked about, the side to side, is what, is what I find is the most uh, valuable um, because if that stands just, just a hair off, you know, you could still, mm-hmm. you could have y- your block not necessarily in line with where the stands touching the bottom of the tree. Yeah. And, and I'm gonna, I actually would like to talk a little bit about that for a second, because this is something that I think is really, really interesting about it. Y'all have a block system, right? That straps to the tree first, you hang your stand on the block. And then since, since the block system goes down, it actually hangs like a pendulum in a sense to where your stand is self leveling off of the block. And as a comparison explanation, a Millennium stand that uses a Millennium block system, they have a, uh, it's like a tongue that slides into a rectangular slot, right? And the only way that you could level a stand on a crooked tree is if the whole block rotated with it. So if, and you tell me if I'm wrong, you could hang your block at 10, 12, 15 degree angle 
put your stand in there and it will self level itself out because it's obviously hanging from the top of the stand. The base is on the bottom. That's going to be, like I said, like a pendulum. It's almost going to be, um, straightening itself out. And then from that point in time, you take your two arms, which, what do you call them? Is there, you have a technical name for them? Just a, a swing arm. I guess we're calling it a swing arm. Cause it just Cause base, I, base arms. A lot I, of I, I think I came up, I was like uh, serrated concave gripper yeah. arms, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? That's good. It, it's got teeth and then on there, how long are they? Six inches or so? Yeah. Long? Okay. So they're on the very bottom of the stand. Uh, on the base of the stand, they're bolted to the base of the stand right where uh, your tree would meet um, the contact point of the stand. And they will hug the tree, per se, and then you, you hook a ratchet strap into the holes at the end of each arm and pull them into each other and kind of complete the hug, if you will. And so that is what locks it in hard. So you've got the bulk of the weight of the stand and you, of course, the load being supported by the block. It's self-leveling, and then it is locked in place at whatever angle it needs to be to hunt out of by the gripper arms in that second ratchet. That is correct. So did I do a pretty good job of uh, yeah. explaining what? that? I'm glad you brought up the block system. I left that part out that it that it does it's on a pendle. That's very important. Yeah. I'm glad you painted that picture for the listeners. Uh, I just assume everyone knows because I've seen it a hundred times, you know. But, yeah, that is a vital a vital piece of, of what makes it possible to adjust uh, to that tree that's running off just at, you yeah. know, at an angle. One thing I wanted to add about the block system is, uh, which I don't even know if you've noticed it yet, but just doing different shows and hanging it so much, you know, over the last couple of months. Our system, you hang that block on that tree, and because of the round design, like we're saying, you can hang that stand anyway. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So we took safety into consideration big time. So when you're 20 foot up in a tree, the stand's only 12 pounds. But even at 12 pounds, you don't want to be hanging a 12-pound stand, hanging on a tree by one hand trying to get a ratchet strap. That's why we went to the block design. Mm-hmm. All right? Now, because of the round design, the important thing is when you come across with that stand, you put it on there, it doesn't matter if it's sideways, upside down. You stick it in the hole, drop it, mm-hmm. then it can pivot all the way around. Yeah. You know? And that was something I actually, I, I kind of, I say I discovered it. I, I realized that that was a functionality point um, a couple of days ago, actually, watching one of your videos and seeing you hang it and pull it off and hang it at the shows. Um, and I was like, you know what? That's because I, I and I'm, I'm just going to say it. I think a lot of people are going to say uh, in their minds, oh, that's similar to this company has a block or this company has a receiver system or whatever. But every other company that has some sort of pre-hung receiver block like you have can't be hung on a pendulum like this. It the, it the orientation of the block has to be at the exact same angle as the stand. That's correct. And this is not that case. This is like you said, you could hang this at 45 degrees throw the stand in there it'll hang straight down and then you throw the gripper arms around it and you you pull it tight and you're ready to hunt so um now what you'll have a a uh, interesting slogan that I, I like a lot it's been sticking <laughs> in my mind what do you what do you say what's your company slogan well we've uh, we've offered a package deal um a lot of guys if you if you buy the stand you're more than likely going to need the sticks so we put together a package for what we call a running gun package it comes with uh three sticks and in the, in the stand uh two ratchet straps everything you need to go uh to get up in the tree 
And I, I think I, we're going to have to change it over to the, the bow and go. It's going <laughs> to be the new slogan. It's the new name. You no, know, I've, uh, I've, I've renamed that myself just as a joke. And I didn't actually do it for y'all or your product. I did it because people were coming to Louisiana bowhunter.com or coming to Facebook or Instagram. And they were saying things like, um, uh, saying things like run and gun. Like they were using that term as all mobile lock on systems. And I just got tired of it. Right. And I was like, we're not going to, we're not going to say the word gun here guys. Yeah. This is, you know, you know what I mean? We're, we're not going to call this run and gun. So I came up with the phrase bow and go, right? B O W G E A U X bow and go. And so then, and then it became where we obviously became supportive of y'all and you have a package called the run and gun package that I, I'm so I, I can't, I just can't allow it. I just can't, <laughs> I can't have, I can't have a run. I can't, you know, be in support of uh, a run and gun. I'm going to have to contact my, uh, my <laughs> website guy and tell him to put board and go in the, in the quotations under our run and gun package. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad y'all been good sports about it. Cause I was just messing with you. You don't actually have to change it. Well, the know. first time I left it alone, but it seems to be that it's, it's not going anywhere. It's coming back. It's got, so I'm going to have to do something. It about keeps it. coming around. Right. So, um, one of the, one of the unique things that, uh, I heard Brandon Guillory say, and I think y'all said this a lot. I think y'all originated this was hunt deer, not trees. Right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, earlier when I told you the story of uh, how we got involved up north uh, when we first started hunting southern Illinois, uh, he was a part of that a part of that that mission we went on for the first time. Uh, mm-hmm. He, Seth, and I we, we went up and and initially started on some sand, some land that Seth has rights to hunt, and then uh, uh, Brandon eventually broke off with uh, Primetime Outfitters, which is a uh, a great outfit, by the way. While well, I got a minute to to throw him in there, mm-hmm. uh, I spent last season with him uh, two or three weeks, and uh, really, really awesome setup he has there. I uh, advise anyone to go give give that a shot. But uh, yeah, yeah, Brandon came up with a slogan. Uh, one day he shared a post on on social media and uh, the hashtag Hunt Deer Not Straight Trees, and uh, I didn't give him too much credit. I just kind of adopted it and started using it. You know, and <laughs> next time he sees me, you know, kind of exactly it. what you're gonna do with Kyler and the bow and go. Yeah, bow and go. I'm gonna run with that one too. But yeah, Brandon, you know, seen me using that hashtag, and next time he seen me, you know, he made a joke about it. Uh, you know, I see you stole my hashtag, so we kind of share it, I guess you could say, because uh, we're, we're in a lot of. Uh, back and forth with each other we, we support one another a great deal so uh that's kind of our hashtag i guess you, I guess you could say you that's know? great so seth you're a big bow hunter obviously and you make sure to make opening season in south louisiana every year oh, you're, that's right you're in area seven right area seven. Which, which opened when september 15th september 15th that was the same day as teal opener for the state which i always associate with mosquitoes in 95 degree temperatures so Props to you for climbing in a stand. Oh, they was definitely out. I can tell you that. God bless. So, well, um, the intro of the podcast is supposed to be a, a scene, early morning scene before the sun comes up when you first get in your tree and the mosquitoes find you. Okay. And so that's when the mosquitoes start buzzing around. And then the clicks. Some people tell me they think it's like rattling for deer. The clicks are a thermocell. And anyone that's that won't that, start. Anyone that experienced <laughs> that knows exactly what that is right off the bat. The and first time I heard I, your podcast. I told Kyler when he you ran that idea past me. For Louisiana bow hunter, I can't imagine anybody not knowing immediately what I mean, that is. Yeah. Well, yeah. we so we kind of we started the podcast midsummer. We started it uh, in July, right? Did we? Yeah. June actually. Oh yeah, we started it in June. People weren't in that mindset of hunting yet, and so I'm. I've actually been hoping that a lot of people that get into hunting season 
they'll get in their stand and crank up a thermocell and they'll think of the podcast. Oh, somebody's going to somebody's going to go through that same process and they're going to be like, and they're ah, be like, that's ah, it. Makes ah, sense. That's why. That's what that click. They're even going to say, "Dang it, come yeah. on." So anyway, did you, did you have any luck opening day, Seth? Uh, I didn't have any luck. I seen a big doe with a little yearling. Uh, they walked about seventy yards away. And uh, I watched them go and disappear into the swamp. I had a buddy of mine hunting out there with me. Uh, he had he ended up shooting about a seventy pound doe. Mm. Uh, you know, it's early season, bow season. It's meat hunting. We we trying to put them in the freezer. Yeah, I hear you, man. So <laughs> what what area are you uh, are you hunting in? Uh, it's uh, area seven. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's that's plenty of information. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Got it. You never no, give I, away your spot. I own <laughs> some I own some uh some private land in uh Centerville, Louisiana. Yeah. And uh it's eighty eight acres out there. It's it's all swamp, cypress, palmettas. Perfect. I've yeah. been looking for a friend that had eighty eight acres in uh Centerville, Louisiana <laughs> for deer hunting. <laughs> you found them. This is great. This is great <laughs> for me, right? right? That's right. <laughs> He's not gonna so. give you much. He, he was telling me he had nothing on camera and then opening morning his buddy shot a shot a doe, so I don't know if he'd been giving me all the information <laughs> or not. You've been getting getting worked worked. He, huh? he shooted me down to go chase the teal and mosquitoes down at the Delta. So well look, that's not not too far from my property, they got some ex- excellent state land. Yeah. That's right there at uh, Bayou Tesh National Refuge. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got probably, shoot, six or seven sections. And one section is literally 1,000 yards away from my property. Mm-hmm. So they got they got some great hunting all around. Them. You hunted Saturday opening morning. Did you hunt Sunday also? Yeah, that's right. No luck then either? No, no, I didn't see anything Sunday morning. So do you hunt this time of the year? Are morning hunts, afternoon hunts? I would think afternoon, but... It, it really depends on the weather, to be honest with you. Uh, right now, the mornings are a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we haven't had a cool front yet, you know, come through this year. Yeah. Sometimes we get a cool front the week before, the week of teal season. This year, Area 7 actually opened two weeks earlier. This is the first year yeah. it opened before October 1st. I actually... So, I I, for, I didn't catch that in the regulations. I made a post saying, you know, congrats... Where was it? I, th- I said... I made a post saying... Good luck to all the area eight, ten, and three hunters. Yeah, three, eight, and ten. And somebody was like, "What about seven? And in my mind, I was like, "What about seven? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah this is the this is the yeah. first year. Actually, I didn't even I didn't realize it till like two weeks ago. Yeah, I got excited yet. You know, I'm like, well, I, I think know. you got a, actually got a heat wave instead of a cold front because yeah. it's been no really kidding. hot the last couple of days. It, it yeah. has been, you know, and that's and that's kind of what made me determine whether I was going to hunt morning or afternoons, you know. I know if I was a deer at five, six o'clock, it's still, it's still hot. Oh yeah. Even, even in the woods, I I, I wouldn't be up walking around. Mornings are a lot cooler. Yeah. So, well, um, let's, let's, uh, go a little further in, into, uh, your product and your product line. Um, so we talked about the stand, they weigh 12 pounds, right? You have a, um, how do you describe your seat? What, what the material, how would you describe the whole thing? It's a, uh, all weather seat material it's a it's a mesh material mm-hmm. you know uh squirrel shouldn't eat it up it's not like a foam or anything it, it shouldn't hold any type of scent mm-hmm. you know it ought to last they actually make sun awnings out of this material for patios and yeah. stuff like that so it's made to be in the weather all the time um so it's sewn and stretched between two two bars and you sit in between them technically right yeah, let, let me just say whenever we first come out with this design and, and seth presented it to me i was i was hesitant to the eye 
it doesn't look all that uh lazy boy comfortable you know and and, and i was like i don't i don't know about that set and when i sat in it it, it change your mind it you just you need to sit in it well you and i had a conversation at the sportsman show about the seat and this may not be for everyone but you and i agreed a lot the way the seat is made it's comfortable um in terms of the contact with mm-hmm. your butt but you're sitting up and for a bow hunter uh, while the lounge style seating is comfortable for sitting it presents a challenge when you have to move around if you if you're trying to stand up and shoot i know me you know I, i've obviously taken shots sitting down and i practice that way but i would prefer if all things go my way to be able to see the deer stand up and be stood and ready and this the swing or any sort of angle to the seat makes a problem for that and and that was one of the things that we talked about in this design is for the for the bow hunter mm-hmm. you're sitting more upright and uh that's actually it, it's actually a good thing i like it right. well you know there's there is a teeter point and you can get too comfortable where you just go and fall asleep which reminds me of a very first deer stand ever that they no longer make called the tree lounge which is still to this day the most comfortable stand that there ever was on the planet and also probably had the fewest deer killed out of it as of any tree stand Mm -hmm. ever made because you would climb up and you would just go to bed well you know a funny thing someone told me one time and this is a, a lot on the whole other side of the spectrum but a friend of mine went hunting in illinois and uh with an outfitter i I don't know who it was but um you know they they dropped them off and put them in their stands and they climb up in their lock-on stands and the seats are modified to the point that basically you can't really sit i mean you you know you just kind of rest for a minute but they're you know and and after after their hunt and, and they address it with the guy and the guy's like i don't want you sitting down because I'm here trying to get you on a deer, and right. if you're sitting out here during the rut, and a deer comes running by, and you're trying to stand up, and I, now, you know, for me, that's a little bit ridiculous. If I pay to go on a hunt, I want to be able to sit down. But, yeah, right, um, yeah. but you know, that that was that guy's idea. He actually modified his seats to where you didn't want to sit down very much, yeah. which is a little bit crazy. But you know, I, I think that uh, your design marries, you know, two drastic ends of that where. On one end, like Kyler said, it's too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too much of a lounge, and then on the other end, it's not comfortable at all. And there's, you know, it, it creates this negative approach to having to sit there. It's in between. I mean, it's a comfortable material. It's a stretch for comfort, but it's not so much to the point that you're lounging. I think lounging yeah. is a bad way. We to get be. that. We get that a lot. A lot of guys will, will see the stand and say, "Man, if, if you just had one with the with the back, you know, where I could really just get comfortable in the stand, man, this would be a, a winner." And and I have this conversation with a lot of people. Uh, we, 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 we may come out with that later on, but we feel like this stand here will give you the best opportunity to kill a deer because I've hunted with the, you know, with the lounge style. And, and I found myself, you know, when that doe pops up out of the ground, you know, right on the stand and she's looking at you, you have a lot of movement to make to get in the shooting position. Bingo. You have large movements that you have to make. You have to get you have to lean forward because you're laying back you have to lean forward you have to stand up you have to move a foot and a half by foot and a half rectangle or square back behind you now with what do they have magnets or velcro or whatever keeps them back away from you um and then after all of that you have to get a shot off there's another big downfall about this I, i this is why I don't hunt out. I, lo- I love small stands. I do. I love small light stands. 
And when you have a stand that sticks off of a tree three feet, you are a unnatural bump on a log, especially late season when there's very little cover. You're an unnatural bump on a log that's easier to get picked off. And um, the longer your stand is, and you got to remember, the stands are so long, not y'all's, but stands that have reclining backs. They're so long because the seat, in order to have a reclining back, has to be six to eight, sometimes ten inches off of the tree trunk so that it can recline back into the tree. And so the whole thing is extended forward. And when you get down to the brass tacks of how much space you have on the stand, it isn't any more available foot standing space than if you had a smaller stand that you didn't have to flip the seat up to make a shot. Um, And so you're larger than you have to be. You're heavier than you have to be. You have more movement than you, than you, not that you need, than you want to have to be effective. And so because of that, that's also going to force you to get higher in the tree than you might have to go on something that's a little more, um, versatile and smaller and, and takes up less of a footprint. Um, and we were talking about before we started recording people retaining information because they learn something from you and something that somebody had told me a couple of years ago that I've stuck with, I so I'm not taking credit for this, but I'll tell you that that stuck with me uh, over the past few years is the fact that every single thing in the woods, everything is vertical. The only thing that is not vertical is tree branches and they are way up there. One of the things that catches your eye when you see a deer is the fact that a deer is horizontal. Mm-hmm. Its legs are vertical, but on a deer, that's the smallest part of a deer is its legs. It's the skinniest part. You have a horizontal body that is easy for the eye to pick up because it's different. It's the same reason why you see fallen trees so well. It's why you see logs so well. Your eye goes there. And so if you apply that same logic to a deer stand why do you want something that's three and three and a half feet long sticking off the side of a tree because if it's late season in december and january and all you're hunting is hardwoods because of late season acorns falling you're going to get picked off right big time unless you're in a double tree or you're hiding in a you know got some brush or whatever around you and that's that's something we battled with when, when we set out and designed it. I mean, the opportunities were endless. We could build it however we wanted. But to find that happy medium to where you have a good-sized base, you know, you stand, you're comfortable, but you're not wasting any. You don't have any extra hanging mm-hmm. out there three foot off the tree. Uh, actually, the, the, the third member of our company, uh, Cody Fatno, he's, a, he's, he's the brains of it. And one day he called me over, you know, and, and, and he had this this base set out. And I believe strongly that it is the best you're going to get with, with the material and the weight that you have there. It is the best bang for your for your space, you know. Now, do you have anything else that y'all want to y'all, y'all are going to start dabbling yeah. in and start playing with? Yeah, like I say, we, we started out on the Delta uh, management area, so we we definitely got to build something for for our home our home buddies down down home. Uh, all the guys hunting in the marsh still uh, that don't get a chance or, or haven't discovered. Uh, the beauty of of Midwest hunting, uh, they're still stuck on that on that marsh. So we're going to build a, a tripod, uh, and and I also think we're going to come out with something even smaller than what we've done—a lock-on system. Gotcha. Uh, maybe not as as many uh, perks to it and and uh, bells and whistles, but just really the, we're going to see how small we can build one. How how light can we possibly get it? That'd be uh, awesome. That yeah. catch a lot of people's attention. Yeah. You know, especially your public land hunters because. Um, those are the ones that are most often going to a mobile system. But you can think about it. Who's going to make hunting on private land harder 
right? You pre you pre hang stands. You sneak in in the morning, climb up and climb down, and you you put them up once a year and down once a year. But when you have public land hunters or people that are um, a bow and go style where they're very mobile, they might be hanging a stand twice, sometimes three times in the same day. If it's the rut, I've done it. I've shoot, I've moved. 20 feet to be in a different tree and then once i got up there i realized there was another tree that was better i've i've done it um and so you have a system that is not cumbersome that is definitely uh easy to take down and throw back up pretty quickly um have you have y'all ever timed yourself on how quickly you can climb and set up with it we have done uh, some videos of, of us setting and, and documenting it but we were taking the time to pause and explain things, so uh, we haven't exactly hit the stopwatch on it. Uh, I know in one of the previous podcasts, Mr. Mr. Warren Womack uh, had some pretty impressive numbers on what he could do. Uh, I don't think we could do that, but uh. well, we uh, we did a video last year in my front yeah. yard. Actually, um, I've got a lot of perfect trees that yep. uh, you know, tall, straight. They're they're trimmed, and what did we get? Eight? Was it eight minutes? It was like, I don't know, seven or eight minutes. We, we videoed Kyler doing a um, hanging hunt demonstration with climbing sticks and a small light lock on. And, you know, we started from the moment he – did we start from the moment you set your pack at the base of the tree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it we, took it off my back, yeah. Yeah, we, we started from there and all the way until he hooked in safely and sat down and stopped the watch there. And we were – Seven to eight minutes. Yeah, it's um that was that was three sticks and a cheater step, and then we did that was the um the time lapse video that I think, and then the the next one where I went through the description of it, I hung four sticks and a cheater step, um and that was that got me just at or just over twenty feet tall, um and so I know your packages come with, come with three sticks. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be hunting with y'all stand and your sticks this year. And so I'm not going to do the four stick life anymore. I'm going to do three sticks and maybe two cheater steps. So I'm actually, this year I'm actually going to go to, I'm going to use, um, two aiders, one to get off the ground and one to get me to my second stick. And then after that, I just don't have the balls to try and get my foot in a, in a, in a <laughs> rope loophole at 15 <laughs> feet. Um, but I will be able to get to 20 feet with y'all's three steps this year. And then a little bit of extra help, you know, extracurricular. So with that being said, uh, we offer the, the bow and go, uh, with three sticks, but you're, uh, you're welcome to add single sticks to your order. Uh, if you like, that's one thing, well, we we look to buy more sticks uh, throughout our our first couple of years in in Illinois. We discovered we we need to be higher in the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything well, that walked by. Well, for me, I'm 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 not tall, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I can't do, you know, even with a cheater step, I'm just not going to get the the spacing that you know Kyler being much taller than I. And so I got I got four sticks with my setup right. from you guys, and I mean it's just I'm actually. Uh, believe a lot in being high i like to get as high as i can right and uh I, I actually get higher than 20 feet if at all possible so yeah the fourth stick is a well when we decided uh we needed to to bring our hunting a little higher uh we all needed a couple more sticks you know one more stick just let's try to just add so we went online and the sticks we were using simply just did not offer one stick you mm-hmm. you could not purchase it so one of the things that just ticked me off a little going back to you know building what what the hunter needs you know is, is what we take pride in so you know just something as small as when you buy our stands you get an eight foot strap how many times have you found a nice tree that you wanted to hunt and that six foot strap 
wouldn't make it around the base of that. You know, mm-hmm. they start off big. Now, when it gets to the top, you may only need a two-foot strap, you know. How many times have you got down there and that six just almost wouldn't make it? Yeah. Especially we, down here. We did all. Where our trees have, you know, yeah. wet ground you know, and our trees all have. All eight-foot straps. Why not? You know, just the, all the little things that we found and we struggled, we, we set out to correct. So we decided, you know what, if someone wants one more stick, we're going to sell them just one stick. You know, we couldn't. We had to buy, I think we bought a three-pack and split it up, you know, to add one stick to it. They didn't offer it. Now, that was years ago. They may do it now. But when we set out, that's the little things we tried to pay attention to and, and, and really take care of you know, the customers and, and, and built what they what we found they needed to, mm-hmm. to hunt efficiently. One of the things that's always been really interesting to me is um, how people personalize their equipment or even customize it maybe. Some people like to paint their stuff. Some people like to go to a different type of system or whatnot. But y'all's stands come uh, pr- pretty much pre-camouflaged in a sense, right? You have a, the stand is black right with uh the brackets being green if i'm not mistaken but the sticks are actually pretty uh camouflaged with what you know what you expect to be on a tree but have y'all seen any impressive paint schemes come back or anything like that that you thought was pretty neat a lot of people customize it and uh we're all for it and we and we welcome any kind of pictures we we enjoy getting that kind of thing uh we do uh, powder coating uh is, is what we have there and we we try to do a black base with a with green accent you know but Originally, we had a, a black stick with green steps, and uh, we were doing both. And we had to we had to take a little poll, you know, and decide what, what it was going to be. And there was a lot of controversy on, you know, I, I like the green color a lot. I really do. So I wanted more of the green. But uh, a, a lot of custom paint jobs uh, do come through. Uh, and we also have a lot of questions about the cable. So the cable system, the adjustable cable is is kind of a, a galvanized uh color you know it's a galvanized cable and, it, and it's kind of bright so a lot of people ask why we didn't put like a, a coating or, or a rubber coating and seth had an experience to where he was hunting out of a, a lock on that he had had for i guess about three or four years and he went to get in it and the, and the cable popped luckily it was just one side uh the cable broke seth had no idea it was it was rusted or there was uh damage to that cable because of the the coating on it you can't there's no visible mm-hmm. Uh, reference to it you know so when we when we made that decision when we faced that we decided to go with with no that way i want you to be able to get in the stand four years from now and if there is some kind of problem with it you can visually see before you get in there and and an accident does happen you know uh assuming you would be tied off you know it it wouldn't be uh, detrimental but we we went that route because of that reason so we do encourage a lot of people if you don't like the the color just just paint it you know uh once we sell it to you, we, we've done our job to make sure you're as safe as we possibly can. You want to take spray paint to it, then you're more than welcome. But we don't advise, you know, coating of it of any kind. We'd rather you be able to see mm-hmm. if there's a, a fray, you know, or some strands are broken. I think that's, you know, one thing that I try to do. And, I, I mean, I'll even admit, you know, that I, I don't do it as thoroughly as I can. But with us all hunters um, ex- inspecting, year you know from year to year expect your inspect your stuff you know um there was a a gentleman over uh, i think it was uh addis Brewley area somewhere over there um on the other side of the river last year or year before but it was opening day of bow season and it was actually a friend of a friend that i was hunting with and we were actually out hunting together that weekend and started getting the text because he got in a stand 
and uh, open in morning in the dark and you know a part of the stand that you would never really suspect a bolt actually broke a support bolt and uh when his weight got on the on the stand the the bolt broke and he fell 25 feet yeah and i mean fortunately it wasn't a fatal accident but it was a bad accident and and again um you know the pictures that were shared with us i mean it was a part of the stand that that you you wouldn't suspect unless right. you really inspected your stuff you'd have never known and uh so it's it is important i mean i, I think that that's just something to mention if, if you're i know if, if you're like me you take your stands down and you throw them in a pile somewhere you try to take care of them but right um don't just look at the strap we we, we have done strenuous testing on the on the stand we've put it under a, a, a pool testing we have certifications uh, we pull tested at 600 pounds for for 15 minutes and it, it held solid so we do have a 300 pound uh, suggested uh weight limit uh user and equipment but it, it has been tested and we and we stand behind our product we feel very strong that it's the safest uh we could possibly make it yeah well once you know once it gets in the in the tree and once it's hung it's really up to the user to make sure that they are being safe even making the transition from sticks to the stand and so i want to be very clear here that you really need to stay tied off the entire way up the tree, the whole way up. And even to the point of maybe paranoia of having two tie off points to where you can be tied off to the tree while you're climbing sticks and then make the transition to your stand and have that secondary tie off because I'm still pretty amazed by the people. And I, I'll, I'll never understand it by the people on the internet that will openly come out and be like, well, it's just uncomfortable. I'm not going to use it. And, and in my mind, I'm like, you know, it's more uncomfortable mm-hmm. being dead. Right. Or, or breaking, having, breaking a leg and having, having to live with that direction. Being a paraplegic. Yeah, having your wife take care of you for the rest of your life. You know, and I, I hate to sound gory, but wake up. Yeah. Don't I, be stupid. I, I feel like every year, and, and I actually s- s- have said this a few times to some buddies that I hunt with, I've gotten to the point now where being more aware Every year when I'm out there hanging stands, I, I have this grim feeling about myself where, like, I feel like it's almost an inevitability. And it and, and the difference between, you know, the outcome of that inevitability is, is me at that point. If I, if I truly in my gut feel like it's an inevitability, something quirky is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Am I prepared for it to protect myself or am, is my number going to get called, you know? Because I hang probably the way I hunt and the the number of places that I hunt, I probably hang 50 or 60 setups, you know, just between the moving them and doing this throughout the year. And it's like all the little things that you catch while you're out there and you're like, it's, it's inevitability. I'm going to miss steps. It's It's a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever we built this whole system right here, that was, that was one of our major things. Keep safety in mind. You know, everything about the stand safety was, a huge consideration and everything, even the sticks. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the industry has went to the one, the stick with one step where they flip back and forth. Yeah. Wow. And I'm, I'm not wow. really a big fan of it because you literally got to be on the ground counting your steps going up to make sure that you're stepping off on the right one. We went with a double step to where, you know, it's, it's 10 times safer. I love that. I actually, we actually, in the first podcast we did and we were talking about setups I talked about that, and, and the, the stick ladder system that I prefer to use is one that does the same thing. 
the alternating step is a disaster waiting to happen, in my opinion, especially yeah. in the dark. Coming down a, in, a in the dark, wet, yeah. dark, muddy boots. It's just in, and then aside from the safety, I can't tell you how many times I've been on the ground, harnessed, hooked, you know, trying to get this done, and I pair the wrong two together, and now I'm missing a step. Oh, now you got That's two right. on the right side. Yeah, yeah. and, I, you know, I mean, it's just, it, it it doesn't make sense to build them that way. I yeah. mean, that's just the most honest thing that I can say about it. When I look at all of these companies that build their stick ladders that way, it doesn't make sense. Like, no. why would you do it? Well, uh, let's, I actually want to shift gears a little bit. So we've been talking about you and your, your company, where you're from, and the, the design and your product and whatnot. I actually want to kind of go back a little bit, and let's talk about the style of hunting that your product allows people to do which is what i've always called a nomadic style of hunting which is where it's a very mobile set you're moving throughout the day if you need to you have that mobility um, without the bulk per se Um, and so i get a lot of questions from people asking you know uh, why would you hunt out of a lock-on why why not just hunt out of a summit viper or whatever one reason that we like to hunt out of a lock-on with climbing sticks is we're like every other person out there. We work full-time jobs. We love to hunt. You know, uh, we limited on the number of days we can hunt every year. Uh, I wish that's all we could do during hunting season, but it's yeah. not. So, like we said earlier, we, we go hunt up north every year. It's usually about 8 to 10 days, and we're limited on time. So, with the lock-on system... You know, it's the mo- the mobility of the system allows you to be in the best possible position, you know, and it's quick, lightweight. Mm-hmm. So when, when we drive up to southern Illinois, we, it's not like we've been up there scouting or patterning these deer for two, three months or all year. Yeah. So when we get up there, we want, we want the best advantage we can. If when you're a bow hunter, you know 10 feet can make a big difference or 10 yards can make a big difference. So... With this type of system, if I'm hunting, you know, a day or two or even just one hunt and I'm seeing, you know, buku deer come across in one area, you know, after that hunt, I take my stuff down. Very easy to move. Mm -hmm. You know, it's simple. Well, and, you know, and the other thing is, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, a lot of what you said probably could carry over into a climbing stand also. But the difference is, is that when you moved that closer area, you hang your three sticks you put your stand in the tree and then you climb down and you leave everything for the next day or that evening. Whereas if you move with a climbing stand, you are climbing out of your tree, unhooking the cables from it, dragging it over to that other tree. And the only way you can get out from the top of that tree is to come down with your whole stand. So there is a stealth benefit also where you're not clinkety clanking up your way up the tree in the dark or for an evening hunt. But in addition, you don't have to pick a tree that is the uh, living tree version of a telephone pole okay you can have a tree that has some brush that you can climb up above you can have a tree that has a limb that would otherwise block a climbing stand and so i've you know i kind of laugh at myself because i've been hunting three seasons now this will be my fourth season with a a mobile lock-on system um, I kind of call myself the Jehovah's Witness of lock-ons. Like, I want everybody I know to convert to it, right? And I want to, like, you know, like knock on your door and be like, excuse me, sir, do you have five minutes to tell you about our Lord and Savior uh, lock-on stand? You know? <laughs> That's right. And so um, it's because it has afforded me more opportunities to kill deer more often than any climbing stand I've ever had 
ever did. And that is a huge deal to a bow hunter because, like you said, you might only need to be 10 or 15 feet closer to that trail that you're hunting. And when you're looking there, sometimes in the dark, in an area you've never been before, but you have a a pin on a map that your friend dropped you and he says go hunt here or maybe you're hunting in a pair on public land and your friend sends you 100 yards another direction in the dark and this and you say hey we're gonna hunt this area together you don't want to be shining your light all over the place up and down the trees all over the woods trying to find the perfect telephone pole equivalent of a tree to climb in your climbing stand and trust me i know that they exist i've seen them i've hunted trees in my lock on that i could have very easily hunted in a climber but it's kind of like the 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 old saying better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it right so i would i'll happily hunt a perfectly climbable climbing stand tree and a lock-on system because the next time I go and hunt, I might not have a, a, hunt, a climbable tree for a climbing stand within 50 or 100 yards. You know, I tell a lot of people, uh, we by no means can hunt any tree with our stand, but we wanted to, to open up our options. So I'll, I'll interject my, my uniqueness into this a little bit, and this is, you know, for a probably a smaller number of our listeners here, but if you do choose to hunt with a camera, which I obviously film every hunt that I go on and whether I'm self-filming or I'm hunting with someone it's almost to get the kind of footage that I expect to get for myself it's almost impossible to use a tree arm system and film out of a climbing stand it's it's completely outside of how difficult it is to do and I can't tell you how many times I've dropped the bot the top piece of my stand trying to maneuver around that cable that's around the tree Mm -hmm. and all that but aside from that just the simple ergonomics of it um the way this climbing stand you sit down in it and the the height of the contact points and all that if you're someone and i know it's becoming more popular with a lot of people like to video their hunts and um if if you're interested in doing that and you're hunting out of a climbing stand and i still see and hear from a lot of people that i talk to uh, you know, they, they're, they're climbing up a tree with their camera at, you know, you're, you're going to face issues and a lot of that's resolved by the lock on. It makes that whole hunt far mm-hmm. more doable. Talking about being stealthy earlier. Another unique thing about our system is we came out with a new interlocking system for our climbing sticks to where it's, we don't use that snap system. We came out with a true locking system. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this system will never wear out. You don't need straps to hold your climbing sticks together. Uh, our climbing sticks are actually made to be mounted on the back of our deer stand. You know, it's it literally takes half a second. You grab your climbing sticks and you drop them on the back. You know, for the longest time, uh, getting back to packing gear in and everything like that, you want you want to have all your gear on your back. You got your bow in your hand, and ideally, you want that free hand to be walking with in case you got to move branches out the way you trip, fall, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. But in the past, you know, you got to take your climbing sticks, you ratchet strap them down, uh, you know, you're doing something. And they still moving around, making noise. So we wanted to come out with a set of climbing sticks that attach to your deer stand, lightweight, on your back, quiet. You know, that way you can be mobile. Mm -hmm. You can be stealthy, you know. Yeah. That's a really cool feature. It, it really is. is. It's very innovative and unique. I don't know that anyone else is doing that. I know. I think there's one other company that 
has something similar. has something to where it attaches to your stand, but but nothing to the the quality of ours or the simplicity yeah. of it. And and just to confirm, like we said earlier, we're gonna have pictures of all of this up close, and you'll you'll be able to see the features of the stand whenever we release this episode. We'll put them on Instagram. We'll put them on Facebook when we uh, when we post up the podcast link. As far as benefits to a mobile lock-on system over a climbing system, um, you know this stand doesn't only have to be used in a, in a mobile setting um, or in a mobile application. Brandon Guillory with Primetime, he's buying uh, a couple of your stands, and they're going to be permanent. Um, and so, it, like you said earlier, the squirrels won't eat up your seat. It's not foam. It's not going to get dry rotted or, uh, or anything like that being left in the, in the tree for three or six months out of the year. Yeah, so, so one thing uh, when you're talking lock-on versus climbing stands the block system we offer a spare block and a strap you could be purchased on on the website uh and you could set up two or three different sets and just have one stand you know instead of having to buy three climbing stands you know mm-hmm. if you want to have one stand and, and and buy your spare blocks and you could set that up which is a lot of what uh prime time's uh, going to be doing he, he's buying extra blocks and he's going to set up you know his sets all where he wants to do and just you know move the stand around if he, if he wants to you know instead of moving the whole set that's one so your so your stand has two blocks that comes with it or just one no no it comes with one but uh spares can be purchased gotcha. you know uh gotcha. th- throughout the you know on, on the website gotcha so let's go if if you don't mind um what do the stands cost what what comes in the packages together what can people expect so if you want to buy just a stand uh say you may already have a a, a ton of climbing sticks uh you just want to try out the stand. You can buy the stand for one eighty nine plus tax uh, and your sticks. Uh, three set for one forty. Uh, four set for what? What are they set? One, four one. set is a uh, one eighty, mm-hmm. and then we do also sell individual climbing sticks. Like we said, we want it to be that company to where, if say you need five sticks and you buy the four set, we will sell you just that one extra one. It's fifty dollars. Yeah. Right. So we have a three, a four, and a single uh, on the steps. But we also offer the the bow and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, I guess, gonna, what we're going to call it now. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it retails for three fifteen, and uh, I know I get this question a lot. I'll go ahead and address this now. A lot of people ask, how high can I get with, with three sticks, you know? And uh, I guess it depends how much of an acrobat you are, you know, and, and what kind of tree limbs you got. I know Kyla said he likes to hunt the uh, magnolias, you know. I so love you, hunting magnolia trees. If you got that extra tree branch right there, you know, Mother Nature bought you an extra extra step, mm-hmm. you know, and, and – but with, assuming you had nothing, uh, I think we found that with three sticks, you can get between 12 and 15 feet uh, up in the tree. So that all depends on how tall you are, but, but that's a little reference point we like to go with. So keep that in mind when you're buying uh, this bow and go. If you, uh, you want to get a little higher, you know, like if you're the lock wheeler and you want to get 20 plus feet, uh, you may want to buy an extra stick or two. Or seven. I'm going to have to – no, I already know because I did this last year more than I ever have because of the property I was hunting. I had to – the access. There was no hauling 30 feet of sticks in there. And uh, so I used uh, these individual sticks like this last year, and I'm going to have to sacrifice. (laughs) That that brings me to another point. Uh, The the climbing sticks, the way they stack, like Seth talked about – you can stack unlimited amount of sticks on, on your back. Uh, three, six, you know, if you want to try to push it to seven or nine, they all interlock, interlock together, I'm sorry. Uh, they're all designed the exact same way. So there's no start stick, stop. They all lock right into one Very another. Cool. So uh, 
got a I got a, a neat little story. That, speaking of how many sticks you're gonna use, uh, I had a buddy of mine uh, when we first released the sticks. He bought a set, and uh, that's all he had. You know, he said, "I'm gonna hold off. I just want some sticks right now. I want to try these sticks." So he liked the idea, you know. And uh, just recently, we went over to a CCA banquet, and, and they've uh, they've recently uh, bought a, a few of our stands and put them in their their banquets. And uh, he went in and, and won a running gun package at, at the banquet. He got the lucky card, so now he has six uh, sticks. You know, so I, I, I think he he's going to realize the uh, the benefits of having of having you know the six sticks. You know, most most people may not buy that many, but yeah. I know myself, I like to step down off of that last one, you know, so it's a little bit of land yet. I actually like to have, I've said this before in conversation about set, uh, setups. Myself, if if I use um, the stick ladder system I use, each individual um, section is four feet uh, on that particular brand. So I know that, that's how I know how high I'm getting. We talked about this before, but I like to go above and... It's because I hang stuff. I mean, I like to step down as well. That's more comfortable. Oh, you it feels use more the steps as a, as, as a hanger. Yeah. I hang my backpack right. and and stuff, and and I'll set it up to where, you know, ergonomically and for safety reasons, I like to step down. I don't like to have to rotate around the tree to get around on the platform and all those things as well. But if my stick ladder is you know right there on my shoulder or close, then. It, it, it functions as a hanger, you yeah. know. And I, I can remember a couple of times uh, going to a buddy stand that, you know, we send you to it the last minute, you know, over the campfire that night, you decide to go there and you get to it. And the gap between the two sticks is, uh-huh. I'm like, how did uh-huh. he get up that tree? Locke's talking about me. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I know, I got, I know a few of those guys too. He's looking right at me. I'm not looking over. You got to just, you got to just hang. You got to jump and 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 grab the limb and swing around the right side of the tree and hope your foot lands. And and you got it, man. Just go ahead. Just, just get in. And let me know if you have any trouble. I, yeah. So I, I, uh, I'm. Oh man, I'm a poor balance between a person that likes to invite people hunting but torture you to get in the stand. Apparently. Um, this has been learned after a few Im- invitations of guests, and uh, when I walk back up to the tree, they never climbed up because they couldn't. Um, in fact, uh, Lauren, Bur- Lauren Burstall, uh, she's a, a friend of mine. I put her in a stand one time and dropped her off and kind of pointed her in a direction. I was like, look, your stand's 100 yards that way. You'll figure it out. Even in hunt, it was in the daytime. She could find it. Um, and um, so I leave, and Garrett Ramsey and I went hunting another place. And um, before we even got to where we were going to hunt and hang our stand, she texted both of us that she had killed the deer. And um, when we when we got there to get her out of the stand or pick her up, she hadn't climbed down yet because she couldn't. Uh, she <laughs> she could climb up. She said that she had to jump from stick to stick and then like pull herself up into the stand. Because what I, I what I like to do is I like to hang my stand about a foot and a half to two feet above the very top step of my very last step. 
right? So y'all are talking about having the steps go past the stand and using them as accessory hooks. Mm. No, 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 not me. That is a waste of height, right, in my yeah. mind. So I like to uh, climb up into my stand, and then, uh, you know, this might make your stomach churn as you think about it, but I actually, to get out of my stand, I have to get on my knees on the stand and, like, feel for the top of the step with my foot in the dark. I'll, so bring an extra stick when I go to the <laughs> yeah, bring, bring yeah. an extra yeah. bring an extra stick so um, but uh, anyway let's uh, I think we should wrap it up guys it's been about an hour um, I'm, I'm actually diligently trying to get these a little more under control but um, but if you've got anything else you want to add let's talk about it man what else you got have you have any questions I mean we're, we're on all forms of social media we're on Instagram Facebook uh, we have a, a YouTube channel we, we're trying to do some some uh, self-filmed hunts as well uh, you could feel free to come along with that but uh, message us on any forms uh, we're, we're more than happy to, uh, to answer any questions uh, phone numbers on the website and so your website is old cypress outdoors dot com that's right yeah okay. uh, cypress outdoors dot com and uh, and look, if if anybody that's uh, listening to the podcast knows of any bow shops, hunting stores, anything like that, uh, you know, near you, we're trying to get distributors throughout the state. Mm-hmm. We currently have like uh, five distributors throughout the state. So, you know, send them my way or give them my contact info to the website, anything like that. And, uh, you know, I'll try to hook up because I want to get this out there for everybody to wear you can put your hands on it and see it for yourself. You know, I, I know yeah. me personally, I'm a, I'm a visual person. I like to try something before I spend my money on it. So I'm trying to get out there, put it in as many people's hands as possible. So, uh, you know, just shoot us some info. That's perfect. Yeah. Well, and I, I can definitely help y'all out with that. Get y'all some contacts at shops and, and outdoor stores and whatnot. I get to shamelessly plug myself here because oh, <laughs> I haven't done that in six episodes. So I'm actually with, uh, I'm actually doing a video series this fall called the progression with scree and partnered with these guys at old Cypress. So we're going to use the stand, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Missouri, Nebraska, and Kansas for sure. Uh, and so just check that out, the progression series, and we're going to do a bunch of product reviews. You'll get to see a lot of their products. Well, that. while we're at it, y'all should check out Louisiana Bowhunter as well. <laughs> I, if y'all are going to mention y'all stuff, I've got to, yeah. I've got to mention mine. So, uh, but no, but seriously, we, we tried something out new uh, a couple of weeks ago that, that we're really enjoying the feedback on. And that is that if you have somebody that you want to uh, just recommend um, be on the podcast some have been more unreasonable than others um, some are like local guys like Greg Gravois right Corey Bailey and Great people guy. like that um, the other ones have been Cameron Haynes Chipper Uncle Jones Ted. we yeah. have to have Uncle yeah, Ted, Ted. Yeah, right, I got, right I got Ted Nugent room. and I was like you know I mean I'll try I would love to sit at my kitchen table with Ted Nugent and talk about killing stuff with a bow and arrow um, but don't hold your breath on that one so far. We aren't that big yet. So, um, but anyway, uh, look, I appreciate y'all making the drive over here. I appreciate y'all putting out a great product and being local. And, and from my standpoint, I think that is enough reason alone, even beyond product quality that y'all have to support our neighbors and support our, our fellow outdoorsmen. Y'all are bow hunters, just like anybody listening right here. Um, and so thank y'all for coming and, uh, I'm looking forward to killing some stuff out of your stands this year, man. Um, so, uh, if y'all don't have anything else to add, let's, uh, let's wrap it up, but, uh, thank y'all for coming and y'all be good till next time. See ya. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Louisiana Bowhunter Podcast. If you've got anyone you'd like to hear on the show, send us an email at info at louisianabowhunter.com. We want to say a huge thank you to our sponsors, Old Cypress Outdoors, Cousin Smokehouse, and Steve German's Taxidermy. We could not put this podcast on without you, so thank you so much for your support. Y'all be sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive updates for when we release new episodes. And make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and the website at louisianabowhunter.com. See y'all next week.